You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast, brought to you by InRiver. Welcome to PIM Talk, the podcast for product marketers, merchandisers, and PIM professionals. And every second Tuesday, we come together to share knowledge, experiences, and challenges to be able to create even better product stories. Maybe you're wondering what PIM is. PIM is a software that is all about managing all product marketing information in one place to create a rich customer experience in all channels and shorten time to market. And if you're new to PIM, check out our first episode, What is PIM? I'm your host, Thomas Schwabari. I'm the creative director at InRiver, and we want to do this podcast for you and with you. So please contact us and tell us what topics you would like us to cover, what guests you would like to have on the show, or maybe you want to contribute in any way. So you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or send a message on Twitter at pimtalkpodcast. Today, I'm very happy to have a person with me that has put a lot of effort and time into analyzing the PIM space. And it is no other than Mark Smith, that is the CEO and the Chief Research Officer at Ventana Research. And we're going to look into how PIM has evolved over time, how B2B organizations are utilizing PIM solution today. And we're going to also take a look into the future. And I'm very happy here to be able to speak with Mark here for the next half an hour. So enjoy. Let's go right into the talk. So today I'm very happy to have Mark Smith, the CEO and Chief Research Officer from Ventana Research here at PIM Talk. So welcome, Mark. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. So could you just start telling us a little bit about yourself and then also what you do at the Ventana Research? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ventana Research, you know, we have uh, just started our 18th year and we're a technology research and advisory services firm. Um, We started and we continue to focus on the business use of technology. So focusing on applications and tools that help business drive better results. Uh, through supporting their business processes and, you know, obviously reaching to some level of outcomes uh, and performance they want to achieve. Uh, you know, I've been lucky enough here to head the company um, over the last 18 years. And, you know, my role as head of research here is to help guide our, our team and uh, the exploration of how to use applications and tools effectively. But the, the great thing about being head of research here is that I get to pick areas where I personally like to spend my time. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's uh, product information management. PIM has been one of those areas that uh, has been a kind of a personal passion for me to help ensure that its uh, relevance in the marketplace is not forgotten about. Okay, so what other areas have you picked among the, the, the cherries in the cake? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we, we cover across all the processes, right? So I've got a team that focuses on, you know, uh, finance and people processes and uh, customer and, and such. So, you know, I, I look at product and reach management as kind of the, the spine of the product processes, but that intersects to um, customer experience, for example, right? I mean, sometimes we forget about that 
you know, what do customers actually interact with organizations about? Well, it's the products and services that they um, have purchased and are using. Um, so I, I do a lot to connect the product and customer processes and what are the applications um, that really drive better experiences and better outcomes. Okay. So um, what did you do before you, you joined uh, Ventana? What is your background? Yeah, no, before Ventana, I actually uh, worked on the technology vendor side for uh, for about a decade. I worked at SAP, uh, led, uh, uh, was a divisional uh, chief marketing officer and uh, led their product strategies uh, around um, analytics and information. Uh, I did a tour duty at Oracle and uh, some startups in Silicon Valley. Uh, actually, I started my career as a software engineer back in the late 80s and developing uh, data and information systems, actually. Okay. Um, so uh, uh, kind of an interesting journey um, to come over to the uh, uh, the tech analyst side. But um, uh, so I do understand the practical realities of Developing systems, uh, you know, and then obviously um, the technology vendor side as well. Yeah. So when did you first come across PIM? You know, that's, you know, I was looking, you know, back at some of the initial work and, you know, it wasn't initially a category that we focused on when we started the company. Um, and I think it was probably about four years in. So it's probably looking almost 15 years ago where we started looking at kind of, you know, the challenges companies were facing uh, around finance, operations, sales and customer. And and I started to like look into, well, where's the product information that's got to be used across marketing, sales, service, operations, um, ERP, obviously, is a category that we cover. and um, and then started to see that that, that there's specialized companies that are managing product catalogs. Yeah. And so the product catalog uh, kind of companies, they got the digital asset management companies, and and then you know then there started to be a, a rise of importance around master data, right? So then there was the IT technology centric stuff coming around MDM. Yeah. Um. So about 15 years ago, um, they said, you know, this is a uh, this is something that's really important and is not as well respected by a lot of the enterprise application companies, yeah. the CRM ERP companies. So I said, you know, um, it's time to put some energy behind this and come out with a point of view um, that's relevant to the business leadership. Because um, a lot of business leaders and organizations don't truly understand that they don't have a dedicated system to manage their product information yeah. <laughs> or their product assets, right? I mean, it's like it's like they just assume this stuff is there, but it's not. Yeah, exactly. You said uh, 15 years ago, I mean, there's happened a lot in the PIM market. There is a lot of you know, new players, new kinds of, of companies that, that have entered. So what would you say? How has the PIM market changed the last, I mean, 10, 15 years? Well, it's definitely changed a lot. I think that, you know, if you if you look back, there was so much work to just focus on kind of the, uh, I would say the administrative and operations of this, the, the product catalog. Um, and there wasn't as much to look at kind of the, the, the product information throughout its life cycle, right? So where is the product information initially created? Um, where is additional information added to the product stub? Um, where is all that enrich enrichment augmentation? Um, so there's been a lot that's that's happened to move to more of a workflow centric approach. It's not about one person. 
it's about a team of people working together. Um, and um, people don't realize this is not about just servicing one person. It's about helping people throughout multiple departments across the set of business processes. And then to the extended enterprise uh, that it could be actually starting from your suppliers, right? Of, you know, maybe you're manufacturing, you have part suppliers and, and you know, you're bringing parts in to assemble a product and then you've got distributors of your product. So there is a lot that's happened in the PIM industry um, to really focus on it more of a, as a process and underlying workflow than just a workstation per se. Okay, yeah. And also, uh, I guess the, the users of all the PIM has changed over the year as well. I mean, going from a more maybe IT-centric system to, to interfaces and solutions that are more targeted towards marketers. And, and now also when, you know, uh, a lot of the PIM solutions are, are going SaaS. And as you know, uh, we have done that for a number of years ago. That, that also, you know, changes a bit Um the process or, or or who can take these decisions and who can start working with with a, a pim solution yeah no great and and the importance of of uh, also having better analytics uh, around our proclamation to understand you know um and start using analytics as a tool to guide where we prioritize actions right i mean we yeah. sometimes don't think about <laughs> the freshness of our product information right it's like you know that product information hasn't been updated for five years yeah. it's like okay you know or there are attributes that are missing um in our product uh catalog um okay who's addressing all the missing attributes of our of our products um and so you start to get into the dynamics of segments of products and classifications of products. And and the great thing about PIM in the last couple of years is this movement from analytics to machine learning to having a more of a continuous um, uh, approach to identifying gaps, issues and opportunities um, and being more proactive than just expecting people to go into the system. Yeah, the whole refinement loop uh, and everything. So, I mean... What is your definition of PIM? If someone asks you what is PIM, what, what would you answer them? It's a great question. And, you know, if you step back, we have looked at PIM predominantly the same way in the last 15 years. We believe that PIM is the, the place where, you know, an organization defines, manages product information throughout its entire product lifecycle, right? Because it's not just about the creation and the administration. It's about end of life, right? And so there is a need um, to ensure that PIM uh, is the place where we manage product information in a centrally uh, centrally defined and, and managed approach, but also is a place where it's distributed appropriately to um, other processes and systems and enterprise. Um, so it requires, you know, having multiple roles uh, working within the PIM system. It requires workflow and automation. Uh, it requires the ability to have inform all information. It's not just about the you know the product name and a description. It's all the digital assets related to the product information. Yeah. Um, and the underlying technology to integrate with other systems as well. So um, we do look at it as kind of I would call it almost like a spinal cord. I mean, it's like mm. it is the spine. I mean, because in the end, there's only product and customer processes. You have you. It's like if if you don't invest into the spine of what your company's mission is all about, which is to you know have you know world class products, um, then what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you are. 
at Ventana, you're doing research. You're, you're looking into, you know, the pains of the customers and, you know, the reasons why, why companies today are investing in the PIV and so on. But how does all these researchers um, happen? What, what is your methods? How do you perform your research? Yeah, that's no, a great question. We have a research team. Uh, it's different than our analyst team, um, which does primary research. So we had multiple methods for doing primary research uh, with organizations who are using specific applications and technology. And, um, and so we have one of our research products is called the Benchmark Research, where we, um, we go through and interview an organization to assemble kind of where they're at today, where they plan to go in the future to better ascertain kind of their level of, of maturity across people, processes, information, and technology. And, um, and so as we do that research, we collect information and populate it into an analytic model so we can start to compare and contrast what's happening in certain size companies or certain industries or certain geographies. Um, so we have um, uh, a research methodology we've had um, almost from the beginning. Um, doing primary research is not an easy task. There's very few analyst firms that do primary research anymore because mm. um, it's uh, it, for us, it's a cost of doing business. We have to do it. Um, yes, you can have great experience and expertise, but you've got to be able to have the broader broader perspective of what's going on with organizations. So that's one of our research uh, techniques. Um benchmark research. And then we actually assess vendors, uh, vendors, products and technology as well in a different kind of research, value index research, which we'll be coming out with here shortly assessing the vendor landscape. So you kind of have to look at the buyers <laughs> and organizations, and then you got to look at the vendors and suppliers and then yeah. be able to understand what's really happening with the, with the market. Yeah, absolutely. What misconceptions do organizations have about investing in the PIM solution today, would you say? Well, I think step one is uh, uh, not knowing if they actually have PIM in their organization. It's kind of a funny thing to say, but <laughs> the reality is, is that, that uh, a lot of organizations think that they manage product information in a seamless manner in their CRM, their ERP, maybe their PLM slash supply chain management system. The misperception is that that it is all just magically synchronized together and just works, right? Yeah. Um, they don't realize how many people it takes to stitch this stuff together quality review it um so and then they don't really understand that people have used that nasty little thing called spreadsheets to try to mm. like you know copy and paste and it's an export here import there and you know or they just think it's a bunch of underlying data points that they can just take this it you know data data technology to figure it out mm. um the reality is is that they don't really understand sometimes that product information management is a is a technology category yeah um and you go to executives and you ask them, well, what's your CRM system that you manage customer information? And predominantly, they'll probably say, mm, oh, yeah, we use Salesforce. Mm, yeah, we use Oracle. If you go and ask them, well, what do you use to manage product information? They don't really know. Yeah. Uh, and they should know. They should say, yes, we strategically have this. This technology is what we use. Um, and that's a challenge. Company, you know, executives need to be engaged here to understand um, how they manage their product assets and what are, is the information that describes it and how is it used across the enterprise? Yeah. And as you say, I mean, PIM is not 
as well known a system as CRM systems and similar. So, I mean, I, I guess there can be some work internally when, when you see that you really have this need and you need to convince your management about, you know, why you should do this investment. So a little bit, how do you build a business case for PIM and explain within the organization why this would be a good investment? Yeah, the the, uh, the getting the business case going is, is critical. And, you know, a business case is a justification for investment of time, resources, and money. And justifications require, you know, uh, a situation assessment and a uh, set of goals and objectives for improvement. And organizations still look at challenges with how they, you know, have quality data. Um, and so there's the whole data quality, data governance. And a lot of times this kind of comes up from not having mistakes in product information, right? There's always these moments of, oh my, um, somebody posted the wrong product description or the price or things like that. Um, but the, the reality is, is that what's been driving people in the last couple of years is that they've been going to analyze some of the challenges um, around customer satisfaction, right? Mm. What is the customer experience? And our research has found that 61% of organizations um, uh, are finding that addressing product information because of the customer experience is a critical element to building a business case. Um, while there might be some other drivers around data quality, data governance, better process improvement, um, it is in the end, um, how fast can we provide the right level of information around our products so that we can prevent uh, all the rest of the things that happen when you don't, right? Mm. If you don't have complete product information, uh, a customer uh, will then call the call center. They'll go into self-service chat. They'll do emails. They create all this other friction that costs companies money. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge issue. Companies are becoming to realize this. And they're like, well, why don't we have better quality product information and and have a enriched experience because it's not just satisfying customers. We want to grow customers. We want people to be enlightened about the, what the products are and the potential. Yeah. So there are some real um, underlying elements of building this business case um, that um, companies are beginning to realizing that, you know, for example, digital merchandising um, is something that's been around a long time, but a lot of merchandising teams don't necessarily have the most effective way to actually manage their product information. You're listening to PIM Talk, the product marketing podcast. And after this short break, we're going to continue to talk to Mark Smith at Ventana Research about the ROI of PIM, and we're going to also look a bit into the future. PIM stands for Product Information Management, and InRiver stands for PIM. Want to learn more about how your organization can benefit from PIM software? We've put together a free white paper where you can learn what you need to know about how your e-commerce platform can benefit from PIM. Go to www.pimtalk.com to download a free guide to help you better understand how PIM can work for you. That's www.pimtalk.com. We are focusing a lot now here on, you know, talking about the ROI of PIM. Uh, and we are also doing work with you around an ebook on this topic. So, 
And I, and I know also that a lot of customers they are looking for metric, look, looking to to find all of these places that you mentioned that that gets hurt if you don't have good product information in place. So could you mention something more about the ROI of PIM? Maybe maybe things that you don't uh, think about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, ROI is. Um it's a simple equation, right? It's benefits over costs. Yeah. <laughs> we look at currently what our benefit over cost equation is of managing, uh, let's say, product information. And then we say, what could it be, right? Um, how do we reduce the cost of our time and resources of doing something? And how do we dramatically increase the benefits? Um, because we're trying to figure out a way to justify uh, a change in how we approach things. And we want a pretty dramatic improvement to ROI. Um, and, you know, um, the reality is, is that there's still a lot of organizations still working to, you know, our research finds three quarters of organizations still focused on limiting errors and mistakes mm. um, because those errors and mistakes lead to product returns. Right. And it's so funny because these days it used to be uh, product returns. You know, some companies, they say, throw away the merchandise, the cost of actually shipping stuff in back and, and re- uh, replenishment. It's like companies are just like, no, just throw it away, please. Um <laughs> And this is this is ridiculous, yeah. right? I mean, if you start to look at companies that have now figured out that that waste, um, but you know, we could actually fix this because if you look at the, let's be honest, even this the waste of time of shipping the wrong product um, that goes from both your distribution uh, to the shipment to the receipt to the customer. Oh my gosh. Um, can you imagine how much waste is going on in the world because of this? Yeah. Um, that's a serious ROI. It's, it's friction. Uh, it's waste. And if anybody's really serious about becoming more sustainable and actually having a, a lower carbon footprint, let's be honest. If you don't address PIM, you're probably actually contributing um, to a huge waste in the supply chain mm. and, the, and because you're actually doing things you shouldn't be doing, right? I mean, that's a really interesting, really interesting benefit here. Yeah, it's a good point. And I mean, uh, my kids, they are very much into, you know, the environmental issues and sustainability. And my wife, she, she works um, for a company that, you know, produces... Um, uh, a product that decreases the need of energy when you manufacture al- aluminum. So, so she, so she can say that she works with something that makes the world better and it's better for the environment. But actually, um, and, and my kids, they say that, you know, I might not have a work that, that does that in that sense. But, but I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, imagine if you have better product information, there is a lot of, of savings and, and just managing, you know, uh, these, um, Returns is a huge benefit for for the environment and sustainability. So I'm, I'm going to tell my kids with with pride when I come home today that uh, I'm doing a, my service for the environment as well. Uh, well, I, I hey, I, it's real. Um, and and the and, and the sad part is that we've simplified the ability to order products with free shipping, right? You know, here in the states with Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. I mean, you literally can have something in your house within hours, mm. and whether or not you actually need it or not, it's like it's just like the instantaneous effect. Um, we've now got to really think about the backside of like, okay, well, do does that is that really what the person wanted? Um, because the cost for a consumer to order things is now so low. Um, the barrier entry uh, for suppliers is pretty low because they can put things up in the marketplaces. And we've got to we've got to do a better job of uh, 
providing that quality product information. Yeah, absolutely. And now you you mentioned Amazon, for instance, and I mean, the Amazon effect that has hit, uh, I mean, a lot of different industries and product categories, and with all other marketplaces going on today, how has that impacted the need to to be able to scale your product content quickly and uh, and so yeah, no, it's true. I mean, we, we think about uh, the marketplaces of, of where consumers and buyers of products, right, either B2B or B2C. And we have to have more agility, more versatility in our product information and ability to share it and enrich it. Um, we can't just um, have this kind of, you know, we, we publish it out and then, and then somebody else works on adding more to it and then they publish it out. I mean, we have to have a better product. Inf- I call it a product information network um, that actually is the backbone of the information so that manufacturers, distributors of products can be very versatile of where they put things available, make things available. Beyond the fact they got to do a better job of marketing their products on their own digital site. Um, it can't just be that they expect that Amazon's going to be the best place to market it because Amazon's just playing the game of, of uh, you know who who has the who has the leverage um, and um, uh, and a lot of times smaller smaller manufacturer distributors really struggle because you know getting their products in front of buyers is not an easy easy step. Right. So you mentioned, I mean, both B2C and B2B companies here. And, and I mean, we see that there is a, a larger interest and um, a need among many manufacturers and B2B organizations around PIM. And I mean, even if there are things that, that are, you know, same in between B2B and B2C, but is there any particular ways that you see that B2B organizations are utilizing PIM solutions today, uh, would you say? Well, the, the key thing for B2B organizations is having uh, basically a product leadership council, right? We think about these centers of excellence in different ways. I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, if you look at kind of the marketing, sales, operation, uh, you know, manufacturing, you, you got to bring collectively a team of people together into a, into a, into a, into an effort that actually, um, is embracing a, a single approach to PIM. Yeah. Um, and this is so important. I mean, because I think that we we lose sight sometimes of of having this team-based effort and the collaboration among the team of driving improvement. And so we find there's organizations now starting to really understand that um, because the synergy and the exponential value comes from working together uh, on how you market, sell, and service uh, you know, products and that requires digital information about the products to be, to be effective. Hmm. Are you also, um, involved helping companies when they want to like purchase a PIM with tenders and that kind of stuff? Or? Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, our work here is, is to not just research what buyers and organizations are doing, but to help organizations understand how to do an RFI, RFP effectively, right? So when when we help organizations assess vendors, we're looking at things that matter, um, things like usability, manageability, reliability, adaptability. It's not always just the best features and functions. It's about the use of technology through its entire, you know, entire life cycle of how it helps individuals in the organization. Yeah. Um, so it's important to kind of understand um, the, the, how products are actually used, and that's kind of a unique element of our approach of Intana is to really look at that 
Um, it's not just about the magical PowerPoints or a vision. It's about the practicality of how a product is used. Yeah. And I mean, one of um, the the key things in in a PIM solution is is how you can describe your products and how how you can sort of model how you want to sell and market uh, their products so how important would you say that that a flexible data model is when, when you're you know evaluating a pim solution well having the flexible data model is a uh, is a foundational element to you know ensuring that you can bring together all the digital assets right it's the you know, um, one is the model, two is the attributes around the, the product uh, catalog, which is the product hierarchy and and all the attributes around products at whatever particular level. And so that is important because then when you're focusing on the synchronization and integration of product information, um, you know, you have to be able to have that agility in the data model um, to be able to support that. Hmm. I mean, PIM is evolving all the time. And I mean, if we look forward here, do you have any predictions for, for the PIM market here in 2020 and beyond? What, what trends do you see? And, 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 uh, yeah, if you look in the crystal ball, yeah, crystal ball, yeah. Uh, yeah. And no, we have some assertions every year we have, uh, we uh, do an annual research agenda. Um, and we, uh, make particular assertions around products, uh, technology segments. Um, so a couple of things. One is by 2022, we assert that one half of organizations will have shifted to a modern product experience based PIM environment to really address the, the broader needs, right? So that's, that's one. Um, and the second one is that, you know, by 2022, one third of organizations required new, new PIM technology to redesign product experiences to meet the expectations of buyers and consumers. Mm. And so, because if we think about the expectations of buyers and consumers and what is that product experience, what is everything that they need um, to make a decision, answer a question, um, th there's just this whole modernization of our infrastructure that has to meet these next generation digital requirements, right? And so, um, and this is also, now, as we put more and more of our applications and systems in the cloud, um, the pressures on PIM to be able to interoperate across a distributed set of systems that are now not in the enterprise um, is critical. And that is um, uh, puts more pressure on organizations to really get PIM right. And a lot of things they invested on into five, 10 years ago, will this not work? Mm. But let's be honest. I mean, most organizations, there's still so many companies who are just not managing product information with a dedicated approach. Yeah. <laughs> they still they, they still do it in their CRM and ERP and PLM and their spreadsheets, and it's a disaster. They waste so much time and resources where they could be focused on the high value uh, parts of product information. Yeah. So, so would you consider PIM and and you know the adoption of PIM still be in an early phase, or are we getting into sort of the middle age? Or yeah, you know, it's interesting because you look at the category and look at how long it's been around. Um, you know, we're kind of in this renaissance. I mean, it's kind of like we're in this new kind of digital renaissance of this category. And while it's had, you know, had its kind of uh, trials and tribulations with other distractions in the tech industry. Um, you know, other things that could distract from the importance of PIM. I, I think now we're entering into this experience and information economy in a way that's really becoming a much higher priority, right? We have chief digital officers and 
CIOs who actually do are chief information officers, not just technology, uh, technology and systems officers, right? Mm. Um, so we are just really just starting to reflect on how to operate in this new business world of distributed, uh, you know, systems across clouds and on-premise. Um, so it's kind of like we're just entering into the, I guess you could call it the, maybe the second phase. Um we learned a lot in the last 15, 20 years, but, you know, we have a lot more to learn over the next 15, 20 years. Yeah, and there's a lot of opportunities out there for companies that want to, you know, be in the forefront and really adopt PIM within their organization and, you know, utilize being able to to be much faster creating the customer experience across all channels. Yeah, just think if, um, put it this way, if you look at all the uh, digital online channels, let's say for a contact center, let's say you have 5,000 agents taking questions from your customers on the phone or online. I mean, wouldn't it be great that they had, you know, instantaneous access to that product information? Once a customer says the name of the product, that instantaneously just shows up and, and so that the the agent has everything they need to know uh, about the product so they can answer questions effectively. Right. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I mean, there's so much opportunity for making, getting PIM embedded within the other systems of the enterprise. Absolutely. And we just had a conversation with, with one, of our, one of our larger customers the other week that told us that they have, you know, connected a chatbot into to uh, their uh, PIM system to, to River and suddenly they could, you know, ask the chatbot for information about their products. And, you know, they just did a, a quick MVP, uh, just, you know, as a proof of concept, but it, it worked really well and, and was very promising. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of those kind of solutions as well. Oh, absolutely. And you cannot do that without having a, without having a modern PIM. You have to have your product catalog and all the aspects of the product information uh, immediately available within within the millisecond to be inquired upon by any other kind of natural language processing uh, kind of technology. Um, and most companies don't have that. Mm. And they have to get to that because everybody wants to put chatbots and what we call IVAs, intelligent virtual agents. Yeah. Um, so us as humans can actually get access to information by talking or by typing um, or texting for some people. Um, so that is a huge opportunity that drives the need for PIM, which I think will be a um, one of those areas that get companies to really take this much more seriously. Yeah, that could be. I mean, one of the new drivers. I mean, e-commerce for a long time has been one of the main drivers for getting a PIM. You also have the syndication challenge, getting your products out to all the different retailers and marketplaces. But but also when you need to support different uh you know, voice assistants and others and make them understand and make sense of your product information that will, you know, put other requirements of, of the, the information you have about your product. So it could definitely be a, a future driver uh, of this. Yeah, I, I completely agree. There, there are some technological uh, disruptions um, and, you know, that drive the need for new technologies. And this is clearly, clearly one of them. Yeah. It's an exciting future we have. And I mean, we are very happy also to collaborate with you guys and uh, also excited about the upcoming ebook around the ROI of PIM that will be out soon. So um, just want to thank you, Mark, for, for being on the show. It was great speaking to you and um, see you around. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. So thank you for being with us in this episode. And I hope we will see you soon somewhere as well. 
So there are a lot of upcoming events, um, a lot of online webinars also that you can attend. So we have on uh, March 4th with QBank about maximize your in-river investment with the QBank dam integration. We have our regular demo webinar on March 5th. And then we have some other webinars. We can might as well take them all here first. We have with our partner Avencia data quality and standards for the DIY and construction sector on March 11th. You can also listen to how you can overcome the complexity of product data on March 18th, online webinar with Kraftwerk. And also uh, Epinova, our Norwegian partner, will talk about the largest sins in the PIM project March 18th. And Flipside is going to talk about user-generated content with Sigma on March 25th. So a lot of virtual events to attend, but if you want to get physical, well, we have some events for you as well. So we will be on the Congress uh, at March 5th in Gothenburg, and we will be in Arnhem in the Netherlands uh, with our partner Saurus uh, to the Jungle of Product Content, March 10th. Uh, we will attend Global Link Next in Amsterdam, March 11th and 12th. And then in end of March, beginning of April, we have Magento Imagine in Las Vegas, March 29th through April 2nd. And also we have Pinpoint 2020, April 1st and 2nd. You know it's coming. It's the biggest event within product information management anywhere. So join me and a thousand other people for some great days. We will have good quality content with some great keynotes. We have Claudia Olson and Igor Buker signed up for keynote speakers. You can read more about them on our website. We have a lot of customers and partners that are going to share their experiences and, and their best practices. And besides that, we're going to have a great party and uh, yeah, a lot of fun during these days. So I really encourage you, if you're going to go to one event this year, come to Pinpoint Summit in Malmö great way of increasing your network uh, and, and you know evaluate partners and uh, and uh, yeah basically if you're in the PIM space you should really be there and uh, also PIM Talk will do some live recording so that could be one reason to come and we have some upcoming trainings in, in Amsterdam on March 11th and 12th, we have the certification courses for business consultants and developers. Uh, we will do the same trainings in Malmö on April 22nd and 23rd. And we have some user academy coming up as well. And we have that in Chicago on March 11th and 12th. And we have in Malmö on March 4th. Also, if you're going to do the certification courses, you need to do the a preparatory course that is an online course available from the Ian River website. So that's that. Thank you for listening. For feedback, tips, and questions, you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or message us at pimtalkpodcast at Twitter. Please, if you like the show, go into iTunes and give us a good review. And if you would like to see some behind-the-scenes material, bloopers, and live streams, you can follow PimTalk on Instagram. See you again in two weeks. Bye. I want to hear now Let's talk about him. Him.